Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You're listening right across Australia at 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are on the Faith FM network. And this morning, you are joined by myself, Lawson, and seeing across from me is my good friend, Nikita. Nikita. Good morning. Yeah, good to have you here. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, now Nikita, I guess introduce yourself a little bit. Who are you? Where you're from? What what are you doing? And yeah, what what are you about? Um, well, as you said, my name is Nikita Jensen. I initially came from Canberra, but currently I'm staying in Kurumbong. I'm here to study in English, visual arts, and religious studies. Powerful stuff. <laughs> now, you're a good friend of mine. I- I've known you for years now, actually, a long, yes. a long time. And we're really grateful that we can have you on the breakfast show joining us this morning to, to, to get into talking about God, talking about the news, talking about all, all kinds of things. But I guess one of my favorite questions to ask, and it's one that I've been asking people all throughout uh, the beginning of, of this year, over the last couple of weeks, is, yeah, what did you get up to over the holidays? Oh, um, I actually managed to visit my family in Timor-Leste um, for wow. a month. Yeah. Okay, for a month. <laughs> yes. So a month over in, in uh, East Timor. Timor. Or That's Timor-Leste. incredible. Yeah. Yeah, what did you, so, what did you get up to over there? Um, my mum got to show me around um, the capital in Dili, as well as going to... Uh, Balabo, where the Balabo Five newsmen uh, back in 1970s, where they managed to take a radio shot, not radio, sorry, news shot of um, what was happening between the Timorese and the Indonesians during that time. And then just being able to see the Tice markets. So Uh it's like all these weaving projects that they have in such intricate designs and just beautiful colors. Their colors galore. It makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. I mean, other people I've talked to and even myself is like, yeah, I went for a holiday. Like, I, you know, I went to Melbourne or ate some food or did this or did that. You were like in in the thick of international travel. and But especially like in a, in a place that isn't normally a tourist destination. That's yeah. amazing. Coming up in today's show, I'm going to be covering what I'll broadly blanket like I'll call politics, you know, just some stuff happening in that space. Nikita going to be looking at some more domestic, interesting things and some some ambulance stories as well, as well as an amazing interview and also a Bible study in the psalm. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Joined this morning by myself, Lawson. Across me, we've got Nikita in here today, doing a great job, as well as, as usual, producer Shell on the decks, living her best life, getting it done, pushing the buttons, making this thing work and run, and and yeah, making sure that you can hear us. It's awesome. Hey, you're listening to the Breakfast Show, and we are going to have our first quiz question. So, can you get that for us, Nikita? Yes, can do. First question is: How old was Jesus? When he started his ministry. Okay, there you go. Simple one there. I think I even talked about this. I briefly mentioned this yesterday. So if you know the answer to this, 0491-064-669. How old was Jesus when he started his ministry? I've got a question for you, Nikita. Do you like board games? Oh, I do. How fun are board games? And board games are great to play with friends, great to play with people. And now we have a board game that's not only great to with friends but it's also good because you get to play it with friends and also reflect on biblical topics and and particularly biblical history like this is one of my favorite eras of the bible this board game here is called the wisdom of solomon and it's all about you are basically building the temple and building up israel with like resources and all these things so you and up to five other people your governors 
in Israel. So you're like under Solomon. So you got Solomon. He's the obviously king. You're like one of his governors and you're working to like build the temple and build up Israel. And because ultimately, or during that time, uh, Mm. that is when we saw Israel was in its real golden age. It was yeah. the, the golden age period of Israel when Solomon had it running. It was basically the, the Israelite empire at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the only time where you could have really called it that. And this game is all about working together to build that empire. So it's yes. really awesome stuff. It's, ooh, it's even, it's, it's political. It's, it's a fun game. You can play with your friends. Hey, 0491-064-669. Again, how old was Jesus when he started his ministry? Good stuff. Again. Give us a text on that number. If you text the correct answer, you'll go into the draw to win this prize, which will be drawn on Friday. Hey, Nikita. Yes. What is happening in in some, some positively different news? So we have <laughs> um, – there's an organization called Red Dust that I actually okay. managed to find a couple of days ago. Okay. Absolutely fantastic organization to actually help Indigenous folks um, yeah. who are actually struggling in rural areas. Yeah. And they've got several programs to help out with healthy living. Mm-hmm. Um, the young men and um, elders as well to be mm-hmm. able to help them with education and navigating life, be it the cultural aspect as well as spiritual and the social emotional obstacles that they might actually meet in mm. the day-to-day spectrum, as well as actually helping young women with delivering um as they said, gender-specific health messages, so their lifestyle choices and well-being, as well as bringing awareness to use of alcohol as well as fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, mm. um, which pops up in life, unfortunately. Mm. But um, it's just so fantastic and beautiful that the ABC News actually covered this, and they basically said initially they started out with about seven people mm. 10 years ago, and the... Salvation Army actually started out this program, mm. but they didn't really see much of a success over that period until they reached out to the Red Dust program as well, just saying, hey, would you like to actually partner up mm. with being able to help the mm. Indigenous community? Mm. And from that moment of actually partnering up, it quadrupled the numbers to 30. Yeah. And then over the past few years, they've actually helped hundreds of Indigenous men in improving their life. Wow. That is fantastic. Now, it's great to hear because Indigenous men here in Australia have like the lowest life expectancy out of any, you know, racial group or any any group here in Australia. Like Indigenous men are dying incredibly young. And, mm. and some of the causes of that are most, well, I would say most of the causes are in, in a way, you could say self-inflicted, but uh, or you can also say because of their circumstances that yeah. lead to that. So it's usually things like alcohol abuse uh, that'll lead to you know s- some kind of either either some disease like liver failure mm. or something, or a lifestyle disease because of you know sugar or a bad diet or yeah. suicide. Like these are the really heavy causes of of death and pain and and destruction that are rife throughout these communities and it's fantastic to hear like hundreds and hundreds of people are mm. getting help it's, because they they need it it's, it's amazing. beautiful to be able to help a community out like that mm. it's just like um, growing up in a culture where you actually see 
um, abuse of alcohol or certain other things and that comes down to generational trauma as well mm. and being able to have a program where it's like hey we want to help you we want to mm. improve your life so you don't feel and or you're not in a negative space yeah so I, I got a question how like how does this program go about it so they they help these people but how how do they help these people so they actually have so the health the living program, they have it outlined basically saying that they facilitate role models. Mm. They prefer to do it on a practical level instead of yeah, a, cool. um, let's sit down, have a class. Mm. Um, the Some of the leaders actually used to be part of the membership of actually growing up in the program to better mm. their life. So they used to be alcoholics, drug addicts, and mm. um, all these different places. And now that they've actually become sober you can yeah. say um they're actually now the teachers trying to help out the youngins and yeah. having yarning sessions actually doing sport to helping the community yeah. and stepping out of their comfort zones yeah i love that it's it's a real like closeness a mentorship that's mm. taking place there uh, and in in that sense it's also practical then and can actually can actually work it's not just necessarily throwing money at the problem and just saying yeah. hey because we've seen that that doesn't work yeah we, we've seen that it doesn't necessarily work i think money definitely help, can help people you know don't get me wrong i'm 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 a, I'm a centrelink receiver as a as a poor young student you like, both. like yeah like like we're 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 blessed to be able to to receive money and the aboriginal community as mm. well the indigenous community of australia i think that you know that monetary leg up can be really positive but it's even more positive that we're saying oh no these people actually need some personal attention absolutely and mentorship and because of that it means that they can and, and that's fantastic too from other people who've gone through the, the program you mm. see these guys like like what a what a witness like what a what a mm-hmm. fantastic thing where you can see a guy who was stuck in that cycle of you know abusing uh, substances or whatever it may be you've you've seen them overcome it or they've had experience of overcoming yeah. becoming a, a prominent member in their community, you know, becoming um, self supporting and sustaining and whatnot. And now they're using their newfound platform of mm. self stability to help others that are in vulnerable positions. Like it's, it's amazing. It actually, it reminds me a lot of, of the ideals of following Jesus. Yes. Like, where once we are one, we are called to win others. You know, we are called to be to be fishers of men and called mm. to lead people to a life with Jesus as people who have received that message ourselves, which is like a fantastic thing. Like we we have that opportunity and we have that ability. And if anything, you know, it's and the Bible says this and makes this point clear that it's through the church that he'll be glorified. Yes. You know, and, and that the the universe will know that God is good through the church. And it's because the church have experienced his love, have experienced change, all those things. That's that's amazing. It's fantastic. It's just so wholesome and beautiful to be mm. able to see, like, the model of a tribe actually being able to up, bring up a child. Mm. Like, everyone is a child of God. And mm. the very fact that you've got people who want to support one another mm. in actually mm. being in a better state of health is just such a... It's, it's a beautiful factor of the generosity and love that Jesus has for us that he manages to shine through our mm. characters. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, that's beautiful stuff. That, that's awesome. I, I'm really, that's really exciting. Like to see, to see positive stuff. And I think 
you know, we we didn't talk about it a lot here on the radio, the the yes and the no mm. and the you know the the referendum. We didn't talk about it, and I think that was it was intentional on our part a little bit because it was a very very contentious topic, and I yes. think that. We didn't have anything to reflect on it from a, maybe a biblical perspective. We were a little bit like, oh, this is too politically rooted for us to, to get into. But it's regardless of your opinion on what should have happened in that mm. referendum, whether it should have been yes or should have been no, I think it's great to see that in the wake of that, that people are have their ideals in the right place. Like they're like, yes, let's give personal attention to the issues of these people yes. and find a solution for us. Powerful stuff. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And right now we are going to have our next quiz question. The next quiz question is what king of Judah was overtaken by an invading army and had his eyes put out? A. Zedekiah. B. Jehoram, C, Abijah, or D, Rehoboam. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's rough. That's like a that is a rough fate. What king of Judah was overtaken by an invading <laughs> army and had his eyes put out? Man, I, I was thinking of, kind of like saying a joke, like he didn't see that coming, but he did see it coming, <laughs> and then he didn't see anything after that. That's sad. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to text if you know the answer. If you do, you go into the draw to win the Wisdom of Solomon, this awesome board game which is all about building up the kingdom. This is Zedekiah is in a very unfortunate position of of being you know one of the final kings of israel and seeing uh well judea and seeing the nation crumble around him but in this board game you're actually building up judea so and and israel is it's powerful it's super fun you can do it with your friends it's awesome again that number 0491-064-669 text that number with the correct answer and you'll get an entry into the draw to win this board game but do you want to go through that question one more time yes we'll do what king of Judah was overtaken by an invading army and had his eyes put out? Mm-hmm. Zedekiah, Jehoram, Abijah, or Rehoboam? Mm, rough stuff. Hey, 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And this morning, so I, I'm I'm not one, like, I know it exists and we've talked about it here on the show before. I, I don't often, like play the game of like going like this is woke and that's woke and this is bad and wokeness is bad and and i because well even though i i think that i I, i'm a believer in a balanced approach yes i'm I'm as i think as a young person i'm like look we can recognize that you know there are some concessions that we need to make in our speech or in Mm. our actions to accommodate certain people uh in in the other sense like there is this kind of from a from a pragmatic standpoint like there's just things that we need to do and ways that we need to talk and yeah. ways that things are ordered whether it's you know by by society just seeing that that's the best way to go or by god himself like i'm a christian mm. uh first and foremost and i'm like yeah i, I want to live the way that god has called me to live and there's you know some certain sensibilities in the world now that kind of have are getting in the way of that and i've got two yeah. stories two interesting stories that, mm-hmm. that talk about this so firstly the first one's from mexico and there's a Mexican politician. Uh, this Mexican politician, his name is Rodrigo Ivan Cortez, and he um, is now being charged uh, legally, like uh, for breaking a law. Mm-hmm. And the law that he's broke, the conviction against him uh, is he has committed a gender-based political 
violence crime. Oh. And it's like, well, you know, and I read, okay, gender-based political violence. And yeah. I think, like, did he, like, slander an opponent because they're a woman mm. or something like this? Like, or did did he, did he make, because this guy's a man. I'm like, if it's gender-based, was he, like, making fun of of women or hurting women or or being sexist and, and whatnot? And I think that, unfortunately, here, here in Australia, like, regarding people in politics, you know, Australia in general is just kind of rough to, yeah. to, to, poli- I mean, politicians <laughs> do a bunch of dumb stuff and then we get on them about it. But then simultaneously, I think back to, for example, the, the Julia Gillard campaign, everyone's mm. like, you know, calling her a witch and making fun of her for, you know, the way she looks and stuff. And I, like, I think that's kind of rough. I'm like, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not that cool. It's not that funny. It's like, whatever. Um, and when I read gender-based political violence, I'm like, okay, is it something like that? Mm. Uh, but no, this guy, um, he had written, he's, he's a, Congress member, he had written on X, or formerly Twitter, yep. uh, and Facebook and whatnot, talking about uh, one of the lawmakers, actually, in oh. Mexico. He described them as a man who self-ascribes as a woman, which is like the... I feel like that's like the most scientific way to actually talk about a trans mm. person, right? Like, yeah. if you were trying to say, okay, like, what is this person? It's like, oh... Like and and then that's how they kind of describe themselves a bit, right? They're like, "Oh yeah, I'm a like a male to female trans person." Mm. And this person's like, "Yes, this is a, a man who ascribes as a woman." And for that, uh, this this politician was yeah was charged uh, with gender based political violence for making for making a tweet uh, about a lawmaker saying saying that but about a trans identifying lawmaker. And now they have appealed to the Inter American Commission of Human Rights mm. uh, because they're like, "Am, am I not allowed to?" say this like isn't is this not a is this not a factual statement and this Mm. particular politician as well like they are on the conservative side of politics they don't you know identify or promote or subscribe to lgbt um ideas or doctrine or whatnot but they're they're like is is this really like am i am is my political career being ruined over the sentence Ooh, a man yeah. who self-ascribes as a woman it's kind of it kind of hit them out of nowhere and now they're they're going through that process and and again like i see this as as a level of sensibility that mm. is just unpragmatic and just not practical and is just causing more problems than it's yeah. solving and particularly because in this case especially like this lawmaker is the person in charge of creating legislation in order to, you know, uh, make sure that crimes aren't happening. And then they're saying, oh, someone said something about me. Bam. Your political career is over and you're charged with a crime. And and ultimately, like, the the conviction resulted in, like, a fine and a written apology and that kind of thing. So it wasn't... And also... um, they had to, they had, they, the, a part of the thing was they had to go on all of their social medias and make it an apology. They couldn't make it like an official press release or a statement oh. with it. Like they had to, on every single one of their social medias, be like, I apologize for this thing I said. I don't know. I just, I just see it and I'm like, this is, this is kind of ridiculous and I, I'm not really about it. Furthermore, uh, we have a story coming out of the United States. So we're in the Americas mm-hmm. right now, which this is one that, that producer Shell actually sent to me that I, I thought was, was really interesting and it's regarding a hospital john hopkins uh, university hospital over there where a memo was sent out and it was about privilege and it was from the diversity the chief diversity officer mm-hmm. of their hospital 
and they sent out this memo. It was about diversity, and they're like, uh, you know, their 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 word of the month in terms of diversity yes. was privilege. They're like, okay, what is privilege? And let's let's read just a little bit of what mm-hmm. she wrote here. She said, privilege is a set of unearned benefits to people who are in specific social groups. Privilege operates on a personal and interpersonal and cultural institutional levels, and it provides advantages and favors to member of dominant groups. Um, at the expense of members of other groups. In the United States, privilege is granted to people who have membership in one or more of these social identifying groups. They said, these people are given unmitigated Mm. privilege and advantage over everyone else. And let's see some of the, let's, okay, first, the first, um, the first group, Mm -hmm. white people. Okay, the second group, able-bodied people. The third group, heterosexuals. The fourth group, Cisgender people, so non non trans people. Yeah. The uh, the next one here, men. The next one after this, Christians. Uh, then middle okay. or owning class people, middle aged people, mm. and English speaking people. So she has said here that these people are privileged. And, and and this is someone who, like John Hopkins University Hospital is a mm. place where they're doing lots of training yep. for the next generation of practitioners and doctors coming up and whatnot. And the point that they're trying to make is that these people have, again, unmitigated advantage over everyone else. And, well, the response to this was, was not good for this, this lady because people saw this and they were like, especially we were kind of chatting about this, this yesterday, uh, Shell and myself and we're like, okay, maybe, maybe you could say, I don't know, white people, maybe you could say, okay, being able-bodied versus someone who's born not able-bodied. Okay. Yeah. That, that is a privilege. Uh, but being, being Christian, like, <laughs> but like, like being, being Christian is, is a, a choice. Like yes. being Christian is a choice that you make. And in a lot of cases, does not grant you privileges. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, and we've covered all kinds of cases where people have been either taken to court or have all kinds of issues because of their profession of faith, particularly yeah. in the secular United States. Well, you know, the United States is definitely more a Christian country than here in Australia. But yep. in terms of its its laws and some of the, the opinions that are, you know, and some of the opinions from people in power over there, like being a Christian is like, and again, not only is it, not a privilege, but it's also a choice. Like, I, I don't think you're privileged to be Christian. But then also here, middle-aged people being privileged um, over non-middle-aged people. I'm just like, like again, I, and, and what's so interesting is this person received backlash and then they w- shared an apology mm. before it. They were like, oh, I was worded the wrong way. Da, da, da. But at the same time, like, I think this just genuinely reflects what they believe and what they're trying to teach young practitioners is, these people are privileged, you know, and as a result, um, they're they're given all these unearned advantages. And I, like, I don't even know why this training exists. It's like you're in a hospital, just help people, right? Yeah, it's really upsetting <laughs> because it's just like it's causing separation yeah. and division when we should actually be joining together. We're called to be one community and not separated divisions, and that's, that's something right. that we're striving for yeah that's right and i feel like i i've experienced so much like in churches where mm. i have been the youngest poorest <laughs> whitest menaced person there so i've had some privilege some not privileges <laughs> but from people who are in you could say positions of privilege i've been so blessed i've been so blessed i've been so looked after and so i'm like why are we creating divides between us and those people rather than you know strengthening unity to bring us all up it's mm. it's just weird it's- 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And right now we are going to have our next quiz question. Second Peter warns of the perils of being drawn back to the horror of sin and worldliness by giving example of what two animals going back to their filth. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, hey, 0491-064-669, bit, bit gross there, but yeah, yeah. Sec- Second Peter is like, hey, don't, don't be like these particular animals that go back to their filth, you know, do, yes. do better, be, mm-hmm. take on, and, and ultimately the point there is take on a new life in yeah. Christ, you know, get, live, live a new life, overcome sin, those kinds of mm-hmm. things. If you know the answer, what are those, what are those animals? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Of course, our prize for this week, the wisdom of Solomon. We want to give this to you absolutely for free. You just have to win the draw to to, to be able to receive. And the only way to win the draw is to answer questions correctly. So again, that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You're looking for those two those two animals. And the clue next, the extra clue, is that Nikita uh, is allergic to one of them. <laughs> Nikita's <laughs> allergic to one of them and doesn't eat both of them. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I also don't eat either of them. Neither does producer Shell. You're listening to the Breakfast Show, and right now on the phone, I have none other than John Ashton with us. John, are you there? Yes. Good morning, Lawson. Ah, oh, good morning. It- we are absolutely stoked to have you on the breakfast show to talk about all things. You, you know, you usually cover scientific topics, topics to do with the body as as well, and and that's very much your background, Doctor John, uh, in in uh, you know chemistry and, and biology, those kinds of things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, now it's fascinating uh, science and uh, what it uh, reveals, particularly real reveals about God's amazing. Uh, creation. That's mm. fascinating. Absolutely. So what topic are we going to get into this morning? What are, what are we going to be looking at? Right. Well, one of, one of the things, of course, uh, Seven-day Adventists uh, were uh, noted for keeping the, the Seventh-day Sabbath in particular yes. and, and uh, observing it on a, on a Saturday. Mm. Uh, but one of the fascinating things is, of course, there's growing evidence for a seven-day uh, biological cycle. Mm. And um, there was a paper published in uh, Chronobiology International back in December 2016, about seven years ago now. Uh, but it is an amazing review paper. It's called The Seven-Day Human Biological Rhythms, mm. an Expedition in Search of Their Origin, Synchronisation, Functional Advantage, Adaptive Value and Clinical Reference. Mm. And... Um, the authors of uh, this study um, were from uh, the unit of uh, chronobiology in the uh, Dolphy de Rothschild uh, Foundation in Paris, uh, was one of the authors. Um, another author was from um, the uh, a hospital in Jerusalem uh, in Israel. And, um, and the third author was from uh, the Department of Biomedical Engineering at the University of Texas in Austin, U.S., and um, it's uh, it's a very very comprehensive uh, paper. Mm-hmm. And what these uh, authors did was they looked and showed that biologic biological rhythms, where you have a six day 
activity and then a, 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 a on the on the seventh day a a, re, a reduction in activity or a rest period um, <clears throat> that these rhythms were displayed in various levels of organisms of mm. diverse species from sea algae to plants insects fish birds mammals and of course in man. And they did, for wow. example, lots of studies. They studied um, intellectual performance, cognitive performance in humans, for example, and in, in rats and, and different things. And uh, John, um, John, you're not seeing like my mouth kind of drop right now because my, my, my jaw drop a little bit because like, when, I, when you're introducing, you know, the idea of circadian rhythms, I'm like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Like, and, and you could say like humanity, it's like, yeah, we've adapted to that because everywhere on earth keeps a seven day week, you know, so there's, there's an obvious behavioral cycle there that's probably influenced our biology, but plants and algae and animals, like how do they know which day it is yet every seven days they're going through this rhythm and this cycle. Yeah. And they've done experiments where they've uh, isolated the animals and the insects, for example, from all sorts of external clues, like kept them in darkness all the time, this sort of thing. Uh, They've also done uh, experiments with uh, astronauts in space training and uh, cut off a whole lot of the normal uh, clues uh, that might be influencing these cycles. And what, and the, it's well established that these cycles are endogenous. In other words, we're programmed to do them. The, the, the cause and origin of these cycles is embedded in our DNA. And wow. this is uh, quite, quite fascinating because there's no evolutionary explanation for this. And uh, th- this is what the researchers in this paper discuss. They discuss, um, you know, why, what, what would be the evolutionary advantage of, mm. of this? What is the possible cause? And there's no known scientific explanation of this. Now, a lot of studies have been done on this. It's not just a, a handful of studies now. Um, for example, you know, looking at um, the effects on, for example, uh, you know, human uh, intellect and this sort of thing. Dozens of studies have been done because they've been looking, for example, at the effect on school children's learning and um, and these sort of things. And it seems just like we need a 24-hour circadian rhythm where we need a certain amount of sleep. And if we don't have that sleep, we eventually sort of die. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, and it's the, the, what they've discovered is, is the same. There's this seven day cycle as well mm-hmm. that also, um, we require. And if we don't get that seven day cycle, it affects our health. And um, one of the other fascinating things, it's a really, really comprehensive paper, Um, and um, I was reading through it again this morning, that um, they did quite a a bit of research into what was the origin of the seven-day cycle. Mm. And, of course, um, a lot of people talk about, you know, the Babylonian culture and all this sort of thing. But this cycle was not in the Babylonian system. And what they're saying is they've looked at the archaeological or historical origin of these um, 
things. And uh, they said it's definitely the origin of the seven-day cycle in terms of keeping a day of rest is certainly um, uh, Hebrew origin. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it dates back to Genesis. There's no <clears throat> other source that they could find, either a natural source in nature. Um, they looked at things such as variations in the Earth's magnetic field, mm. uh, solar, uh, you know, sort of uh, magnetic elect- and electric influences from sun cycles, all this sort of thing, and there's nothing that matches it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's purely something that you could say, in a sense, is is arbitrary, but it has these deep biological roots, and it, that comes through literally the way that we were created as well. And I mean, it makes sense that it's only going from the the Hebrew side because, like, well, as as someone who believes the Bible and subscribing to the fact that God did make the world in in six days and rested the seventh and and established, you know, created Adam and Eve and established the world through there, like from there. Like, yeah, obviously that that seven-day cycle is going to be found, you know, wholly and solely through those Hebrew origins. Yeah, it's quite fascinating because this is a scientific paper and it talks about how the day of rest was actually changed by Constantine to Mm. Sunday. Um, in uh, 321. Mm. And, um, yeah, and it, it actually mentions Seventh-day Adventists too, further down as Seventh-day Adventists being among the Christian groups that keep this um, this day of, uh, day of rest mm. uh, on, on the original, uh, you know, Hebrew day, Hebraic day, um, to, you know, celebrate creation and so forth, and how they've uh, kept it going, and how for Islam, of course, Muhammad commanded that they uh, that uh, Muslims pray on Fridays, but it was not commanded as a day of rest. Mm. Um, and so th- this is, uh, you know, it's quite uh, fascinating recognising this hi- this history and that in the Roman Empire, the seven-day uh, sun worship cycle, hence the days of the week, um, again, was uh, instituted um, as a as a copy of the uh, Hebrew um, uh, system on worshiping on Sabbath. So I thought this was quite fascinating in that they really delved into the um, religious history as well. Um, and this was written up and reported in a in a scientific paper with the bottom line that. This rest cycle, six day followed by a one day of rest, is very important for for health. Um, and the ramifications, for example, for governments uh, when they're looking at uh, cycles for for work, education, all this sort of thing. Um, so I thought, yeah, that that was pretty exciting. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a question. It's regarding you know that that history, and and I'm wondering if this paper gets into how, like, pre-Roman Empire, how popular was a seven-day week outside of Hebrew culture? Like, were there were there many cultures around the place keeping a seven-day week before it kind of became popular through the Roman Empire, like, religiously? Yes, well, they, they don't comment on that specifically, but from what I can gather, it seems to be, no, that it was, it was certainly a, a Jewish thing mm. uh, in terms of that 
that work rest cycle. So obviously other people weren't observing that cycle, but they didn't have the health advantages of doing that. And so one of the things that they found in humans, for example, you know, blood pressure varies according to cycle, heart rate, a whole lot of uh, biological oscillations have this six-day where a cycle where and then on the seventh day, it, it drops down. So this is really, um, you know, quite uh, fascinating and it affects a lot of subtle things that we're not aware of, a whole lot of, um, you know, medical biochemical parameters mm. follow this same uh, six-day um, uh, level and then a drop down on the seventh day and then back up again. So it's, it's quite fascinating. And as I said, they've observed these sort of studies in metabolic processes in plants, insects, honeybees, yeah, all sorts of things. Uh, you know, fascinating because, like, for me, I'm, I, I really start to think, I'm like, how could these, you know, different things in nature be possibly affected by a human behavior unless it's coded into them? And then it's like, well, where does that come from? And yeah, it comes from God. Well, that's right. And this is one of the other things that they uh, look at in that a whole lot of theories have been proposed to try and uh, uh, where to uh, explain where this seven-day cycle might have come from in terms of some sort of evolutionary model. And there's nothing that works. They, mm. they can't, um, you know, propose anything. So, you know, this is in actual fact, uh, again, Another aspect of very strong evidence for creation by God, mm. um, who created this, um, you know, this cycle here, because these fluctuations, these biochemical fluctuations and, and, um, and periods just like our, um, you know, a, a female's re- reproductive cycle, all these sort of things, uh, I mean, have similar cycles. Um, the, uh, they're all programmed in our DNA. Um, and so this is a fascinating thing that, and, and this is the problem for evolutionists. How could the synchronized mutations occur in the DNA that produce these, these variations? Mm. And, and, and again, the powerful evidence is that when you separate, you know, the insects, rodents, or whatever, from these external senses, such as our normal, you know, uh, circadian daylight cycles, uh, insulate them from, you know, electric magnetic fields, all these sort of things, they still maintain this endogenous um, seven-day uh, cycle. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we've got really, uh, you know, powerful uh, evidence there, again, for creation. Um, and the fact that it's across all this whole range of animals, as said, from algae all the way up to, uh, you know, humans. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating um, uh, paper. And, of course, uh, people could find it if they, you know, just um, Google the seven-day human biological ryth- rhythms on Google. I'm sure it'll come up. Synchronobiology uh, back in... Um, 2016, but it's a free reprint. So a lot of these journal uh, articles, um, you've got to you know subscribe to the journal to get them. But this is a, a free one. So yeah, I, I found quite a, a fascinating paper, and I think that um, you know it, it behoves us that when we 
um, have this day of rest, um, it, it promotes health mm. as well. That's one of the other things that they're saying. The functional advantage, adaptive value and the clinical rele- relevance of this is actually quite um, quite important and yet something probably that, you know, most people, uh, we, you know, we grow up with this seven-day cycle and it's now, part, it's now a worldwide thing mm. and this is one of the other aspects that they uh, point out is that it's been adopted worldwide because it works. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic stuff. We've we've come quickly to the end of our time, uh, but thank you so much for sharing with us on, yeah, circadian rhythm and cycles and the fact that God has very much programmed us to act this way. It's powerful stuff. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.